Hey Rip City, this is Matisse Leibel, and you're listening to Section 113 with Travis Demers and Michael Holton. It is time for another Section 113 podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome in along with Michael Holton. I'm Travis Demers. Thanks for being here with us. Uh, As we record this on Thursday morning, the Blazers coming off an overtime loss last night to the Sacramento Kings, really in a a hard-fought game. And if you look at the last few games since we were with you, three really tough, gritty, hard-fought games, one win in overtime, one loss in regulation, and one loss in overtime, Michael. But as we we look at this team, man, I think, you know, one of the the overarching themes of this team has got to be their their grit and their toughness. Yeah, I think that this game, this overtime loss in particular to the Sacramento Kings – Revealed the character of this team. I mean, the toughness, the competitiveness, uh, the versatility of the roster, guys stepping in to larger roles, performing. Uh, I just think that, you know, there's no such thing as moral victories and a loss is a loss, but I was encouraged uh, in the Sacramento game in terms of the competitive nature and toughness of this team. You know, as we looked before the season, Right. There were a lot of things we just didn't know to expect with certain players that we hadn't seen with the way that this team was going to come together because they hadn't played together. You know what their expectations were going to be. Um, Are they going to be in contention for a play in spot or like the quote experts say, are they going to be near the bottom of the league? And I I think we've seen they're they're not a bottom of the league team right now. They're not a play in team, but. The word that you used that I think is really the the most important thing right now is that it's encouraging. There are a lot of things that are really encouraging about the big picture of this team. Well, the DNA of this team is toughness uh, and togetherness. You know, Travis, we're, what, a week or two into the season, and there's a handful of teams that have got out, gotten out of the gate solidly, and there's 25 teams trying to find their way. Uh, and there, there's a bit of a turbulence among those 25 teams and each team has their own story, their own experience, their own chemistry challenges or roster changes. The Blazers are no different, but what we see in this team uh, is a commitment to defending uh, a cohesiveness, uh, a trust in one another, uh, young players getting experience. There's no substitute for experience and, and injuries and adversity create the opportunity to get experience. Then it becomes who steps in, who steps up, and how do they handle increased opportunity. And I thought this Sacramento Kings law showed that, you know, Skylar Mays and, and Tumani and, and guys stepping into larger roles or, or in terms of minutes uh, are contributing uh, in a big way. Yeah, let's go through those injuries a little bit. We'll start with Scoot Henderson. He he's missed the last few games, and his development right now is is critical for the future of this organization. Um, we've seen some really good things, and we've seen some things that show that he is a 19 year old kid that um, that has has a lot of learning to do. And I, I want to play this for you. Um, this is from Steve Hetzel, assistant coach. I talked to him before the the second Grizzlies game, and he talked about Scoot Henderson sitting out well not getting the the reps always hurts a player but when you don't have the the buildup of playing and your mindset of of what you're going to do you can relax a little bit more and and scoot's kind of wired to where he doesn't really relax he's he's ready to rock and roll when he's playing and so for him to be able to take a deep breath sit and watch 
Um, we've given him some goals of things that he, he needs to focus on while he's watching the game. And so I, I, I do think it's somewhat beneficial. So he says they are giving him things to look at, specific things, and that's an opportunity for him to to slow down and watch and learn. You know, it's kind of like the, the quarterback, the rookie quarterback who sits and learns, you know, like Patrick Mahomes sitting and learning for a year under Alex Smith. It's not a year, it's a few games. But how valuable are these opportunities for Scoot while he's not out there on the floor? They're invaluable for Scoot in that, Things happen fast when you're a rookie. And if you're a lottery pick, third pick in the draft, the team makes a you know, a decision to trade uh, the guy at your position and, and you're given the keys to the car from day one, everything's going really, really fast in terms of what you're processing, what you're learning, and how you're handling the responsibility. And rookies in general are going 100 miles an hour because the game is so different. But when you play the point guard position, you've got a, an exorbitant amount of responsibility, uh, plays, time and score, uh, managing uh, the guy guarding you so that you can have court vision for execution. There's just so many things. And in, in football, I guess it would be coverages and check downs. Well, those things happen for an NBA point guard. And so for Scoot uh, to experience an injury early, and now he's sitting and he's watching the game and he's watching video and coaches are giving him assignments. He's getting a, a rare opportunity to process without the on-court experience. He had some on-court experience. Now he's got off-the-court experience. And when he comes back, he'll be able to combine those. And I think it will accelerate his, uh, his process. Yeah, there, there's a lot of that going on right now because you look at the backcourt today right now, we don't know what Malcolm Brogdon's hamstring injury is going to show. Is it going to be something that he's able to come back on Sunday against the Lakers or is this something that's going to keep him out a couple of games or longer? So Anthony Simons is already out for a while. Now Malcolm Brogdon is out. Scoot Henderson has been out. So what you're left with in the backcourt is Shaden Sharp and Skylar Mays. And Skyler's situation is interesting because he's bounced around the league a little bit. He's He was on a 10-day at the end of last year, showed some really good things. I think the team knew in the offseason they were going to bring him back. They bring him back on October 1st. They sign him to a two-way. And now, with all of the injuries, he's getting some run. And he was playing key fourth quarter and overtime minutes against the Kings. And he showed some things that were really impressive. Getting some run is probably an understatement. Uh, it, it kind of flashes me back to my experience and how I got in the NBA. I was probably one day or one turnover away from, from being out of the league and never playing. And Walter Davis tears his ACL, uh, and I get to play and play well. And then I start 59 games in a row as a rookie. Uh, and so I made the most of that opportunity. And there's levels to the opportunity. Skyler May stepped up against Sacramento big, uh, 18 and 10, 18 and 11, uh, and performed. And when I say there's levels to it, now Skyler Mays is on the scouting report. Uh, and so the next game, there'll be a game plan for Skyler Mays. And so he'll have to manage that new attention. And that's what happens in the NBA. When, when you get increased opportunity uh, and it's unexpected, uh, it's based on adversity of some sort, whether it be a trade or, or injury, and you step in. Uh, careers are made 
uh, of those opportunities when you step in and you step up. And this team is is in a climate right now based on injuries where guys are are being asked to step in and they're stepping up. Yeah, this Chauncey Billups had some comments about Skyler after the game in Sacramento. Obviously, uh, putting a lot of praise on him. Yeah, Sky Sky was incredible. Uh, he really was. Um, you know, he's ever since we got him on a ten day last year. You know, I just I just love the way he plays. You know, he plays. He's got. He got smarts. He's very crafty. He's a big shot maker. You know, um, he's just tough, a heady player. You know, um, he gave us all he had. I mean, shoot, he goes from barely playing to 37 minutes in this game, um, in an up and down type of game. So I was proud of Sky. Um, he played amazing. So going forward, at least for the time being, you have a point guard who is used to setting other guys up and he talked about this after the game too and he said you know in in my career I've always had scorers around me so I've never had to be that aggressive player down the stretch and I've been a playmaker and that's what he's been but he also showed some ability to score and in smart plays he made some some big offensive plays down the stretch to score some points in key situations so you have him with Shaden Sharp for the time being again we don't know what the rest of the injuries are going to look like um and and that's that's your backcourt and right now those two look like they have a pretty good rapport yeah the chemistry on this team uh doesn't miss a beat uh everybody steps in steps up and it's it's interesting to see because as a former player, I, I know how hard it is to get new collections of players to be cohesive. And it requires a trust. And I watch this team and, and, and you know, they eat together uh, on the road when they don't have to. You know, they're together. There's, there's a sense of family around this organization and around this team that I think reflects the leadership. Uh, top down. I mean, from Joe Cronin to, to Chauncey Billups and, and the way the staff has been put together. You know, when guys like each other, uh, they learn together, they play together, uh, you can you can deal with adversity better than when you have a, a fragmented group uh, and groups fragment for a lot of reasons. You know, in, in, in that concept, let's keep going with these injuries. So Robert Williams III, he's going to be out for a while. We don't know if it's going to be for a couple of months or for the season, but he's not going to be around for a while, at least on the floor. Um, and his presence on this team, they've, they've talked about it. It's, they, they love having him around for a variety of reasons, but now that he's not on the floor, well, now you don't have that lineup of DeAndre Ayton and Robert Williams together. Now you don't have Robert Williams to come in when, when Ayton is on the bench, so you either have to go with you know Moses Brown, who we saw for the first time and actually played some really good minutes against the Kings, uh, a small lineup with Jabari Walker at the five or Jeremy Grant. So how do you see Robert Williams, the third injury, affecting this team? Well, you know, it, it's obviously a setback, uh, a negative, because he's – it was a big part of the big picture of this season. Uh, I think the team was built around Robert Williams' veteran experience on the floor, on the bench, and in the locker room for this young group. So, you know, hopefully uh, while decisions are made about the course of his rehab, he's still available from a veteran voice standpoint. But you comment on Moses Brown and one of the things that always stood out to me about Robert Williams III was that he was, to me, the team's best screener. And screening is a big part of the NBA game that doesn't get talked about enough. Guys that are good screeners and teams that are good screening teams 
versus teams that, that don't do it as well. So you have to have that base covered. Moses Brown set great screens against Sacramento. Uh, and that stood out to me that he set it. He was physical. He held the screen. Uh, he played with a motor. Now, again, there's levels. He was excited. He got in. It was unexpected. You know, he ran wild in a positive way. What happens the next day, the next game? Does he earn some regular minutes? Who knows uh, what has to happen from a injury management, roster management standpoint. But what we do know is when you see a player display a skill, he's not overachieving. He's demonstrating his ability to step into an opportunity. Yeah, and there were a lot of guys who had to step in against the Kings. And at one point, they had a lineup out there, and I, I'm going to try to remember exactly what it was, but it was, you know, Skylar Mays, Chris Murray, uh, Moses Brown, I think Jabari Walker, Shaden Sharp. I mean, you don't get much younger than that because obviously a lot of those guys were, were rookies or second year guys, but they were also 19, 20, 21 years old. And what impressed me about that. Michael is that and Justin Manaya. Manaya was out there with that group as well. He's played five games in his career. What impressed me about that group, especially at the end of the third quarter when they played together, is that things started to go in the wrong direction and they're down seven, they're down eight, and they pulled to within one because of their defense and they forced turnovers. They were able to make plays and obviously they've, they've got a lot to learn, but defensively, they kept the team in the game. They were competitive. They were tough. You know, I'm kind of sitting here with a chuckle on my face thinking about what you're describing because I always thought that puppies had to become dogs before they bite. Sometimes puppies bite. <laughs> have you ever had a puppy? I have. And so, you know, we're seeing young guys, uh, and I'm using the analogy of a puppy, not negatively, but young guys uh, that are biting, you know, that aren't backing down, that are stepping up, that are being physical, that are making plays. I mean, Skylar Mays against Sacramento looked like Maurice Cheeks to me. I mean, he had been a pass-first guy, comes in, plays safe, doesn't turn it over, you know, plus-minus guy, just kind of keeps it going till Scoop comes back in or till Malcolm comes back in. Skylar Mays looked around and said, they're not coming back in tonight. I got go to go get some buckets. <laughs> he, he did, and he, he was great at it. And you know, we talk so much about the young guys and all of this, but – with that work, I don't feel like we're talking enough about the veterans. And I want to talk about Jeremy Grant because he has been terrific. And he has the longest streak in NBA history to open a season where he has scored more points in one game than the previous. And it's happened through eight games. He's going to have to put up 39 to keep that going against the Lakers. But he had one of his best games, if not his best game as a trailblazer, 38 points. That was a season high. He had a season high nine rebounds. He had a season high five assists, set a couple of blocks and steals. He really did everything and tried to, to will this team to victory. And at, at the beginning of the season, the first couple of games, Jeremy got off to a little bit of a slow start, but now he's finding the groove as that go-to guy and the veteran of this team. You know, well, it was the late John Wooden that described or defined competitive greatness as being at your best when your best is needed. And that's what we're seeing. Jeremy Grant is looking around. This team needs me to lead. This team right now needs me to be a primary scorer. You know, I had a chance to sit down in training camp and, and interview Jeremy Grant and talk about this very thing, his role. Uh, was he? Did he see himself being a primary scorer, a complementary scorer, 
or a guy that that just kind of provided veteran leadership. And and his answer was, I'm prepared to be any of the above, uh, whatever this team needs. And I think the beauty of this team, if there's something that is just really comfortable and warm and fuzzy, is that concept of guys saying, I'll be whatever's needed. And so we're seeing that in Jeremy Grant, recognizing the need to score more points, to be dominant, to to do more with the dribble, to break down defenses, and how stabilizing uh, it is for the younger guys. Because you need a primary score that collapses defense and draws attention. And with that, you look at DeAndre Ayton and him, him doing the things that he does well, and that is rebound, get second-chance points, and hit from the mid-range. And his mid-range game down the stretch, you know, without that, this team doesn't go to overtime. This team isn't in a position late in the game to win. Yeah, I think he scored eight points in a row down the stretch. Uh, and he got those mid-range catches from direct passes. And, and then there was even a time, if I remember correctly, where, you know, he faced up in isolation and just kind of – took and made a big shot, you know, over the top of an outstretched defender. And I watched his body language and he kind of clenched both fists kind of 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 a self-reassuring thing of I got this, I can do this, I can be this guy. And and that was encouraging because DeAndre Aiden has the potential to be a dominant force in this league. Yeah, and he's certainly shown that at, at times this year. And then you have Shaden Sharp Unfortunately, he fouls out late in the game. You know, there was the the play from Malik Monk where he's called for the offensive foul. They go back and they review it, and it shows that, you know, Shaden was clearly in the restricted area. I thought when I looked at that that Tamani Kamara made the first contact and the foul should have been on him. That's not the way that they called it. Shaden fouls out, doesn't play in overtime. And if he does play, we're probably looking at a different overtime situation. But I think that also just shows how important and valuable his development has been to this team. When he's not out there on the floor, this team isn't as good. Shaden Sharp's growth and development's big, and and he and on the defensive end, he's he's grown a lot. You know, Travis, there's a call or two every night. You know where I'm pulling for you because <laughs> what, what do you mean by that? Well, you get shaken up, you know, and and you're professional, but there's a call or two every night where I'm just kind of. I hope Travis can keep it together, and and that was the call in that game. You know, down the stretch, key call, Shaden Sharp takes the charge. It looks like a game-winning play. Go go to the monitor. It goes against the Blazers. It goes against Shaden. He fouls out. The game goes to overtime, and then you disappear. I look around, and you're gone. <laughs> I don't know if you just couldn't handle it, if it overwhelmed you, if you needed to walk it off. I was emotional, Michael. I was emotional. And, and so I'm sitting there, and, and and overtime starts. You're not there. And now all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, 111, uh, come back to Golden 1 Center. And all of a sudden, I'm trying to do my best Travis holding down the fort, thinking I'm going to have to bring, bring land this ship, you know, or – land this plane or dock this ship. I don't know. But you come back. You bounce back, and, and we make it so. Anyway, I just wanted to point out to our, our, our listeners on the Section 113 podcast that there is a time every game 
that I worry about Travis and I'm prepared to step in and step up like Skylar Mays and, and carry the broadcast. Well, you're, you're a team player and, and you did a great job with that. Now, peeling back the curtain a little bit, okay, I, I had to run to the bathroom. This never happens during the game, okay? And the, the way things are in Sacramento, you know, we're up in the back of the 100 level and there's this long table and we're all the way against the table and then there's like this, this gate next to you. You're at the end, I'm next to you and there's this gate there and then on the other side of that is stairs so my choices are to try and get up and go behind everybody and there's very little room or climb over this gate so I've got to run to the bathroom I'm climbing over you and I jump down onto the steps and then I run up to to, to use the bathroom and there's just the longest line ever like, oh, forget this. So I run back, and now you're on the air, and I'm climbing back over the gate where there's very little room, trying to get behind you. I drop my glasses. I knock stuff over. Uh, our, our stats guy, Scott Marsh, is, is turning the mic off so it doesn't, you know, you don't hear all, the, all of this stuff when, when I'm trying to get back in my spot. And you know what happened in all of this? Michael Holton, calm, cool, keeping everything smooth, and nobody listening would have noticed a thing because you stepped in and saved the day. Travis, I've been telling you for a long time that I spend a numerable amount of minutes driving around in my car doing my Travis Demers. Oh, yeah. Boom. He got it. And so when that happened, I was like, this is it. It's my moment. Hey, welcome back to Golden One Center, 111 apiece. We're about to start in the overtime, and here's what's going on. And so you never know, for those of you listening out there, when you got to step in and step up and expand your skills. The problem, Travis, is sometimes when that happens, you can do it for a small sample size. But I learned after three or four sentences, I don't have that skill set. <laughs> and don't do that to me again. <laughs> I'll try. I'll try. If we didn't go to overtime, it would have been fine. We were able to get through anyway. We, it, it all worked out. Um, but if, if you're listening and you haven't listened to us a ton, one thing that, Michael, you and I do is we have a lot of fun together. I love this job. I love working with you. And, you know, in five or six years of doing this, we, we have a lot of fun together. Yeah, and, and this podcast, Section 113, first of all, thanks for allowing me to join you on the Section 113. Well, it's better with you than without you. And, you know, I've always valued and enjoyed an opportunity to, to help our, our fans and listeners get closer to the game, either through the X and O's uh, and the game plan, but also through the personalities, yours, mine, and the players. And and this podcast has allowed this longer form uh, of of personal and professional development for me but hopefully it's beneficial to our fans to to get a, a deeper understanding of some of the things that are going on with our team and the game. Yeah, absolutely. And now going forward, you've got a few days off, which is really important because of the injuries and the fact that this team has played a, a lot of games. You don't have three days off on the road like this. We're flying to L.A. and have, have a couple of days off before playing the Lakers on, on Sunday. So given all of this stuff, just how critical are, are these three straight days off? Uh, days off are always important on the road and valuable, A, for, for, the, for the mental and physical regeneration, but B, for, for game planning. You know, coaches love opportunities to get practice time during the season because it's so rare. And when you have injuries and adversity and you have practice time, uh, it's just it's so needed, important, and valued. 
So the Lakers on Sunday, day off, playing Utah on the road, coming back second night of a back-to-back against Cleveland three days and four nights. This is going to be another test. And the thing about the NBA is that the whole year is a test all year long. So what do you want to see here in the next couple of games? Well, just that everybody understands the assignment. And the assignment is to stay on the same page. Uh, you play with who's available. You you embrace and trust the game plan. And you play with energy, effort, and game plan discipline. That's going to wrap things up here in the Section 113 podcast. Blazers, Lakers on Sunday, 7 o'clock tip. And then on Tuesday in Utah, Wednesday at home against Cleveland. Utah is a 6 o'clock Pacific tip. Cleveland's a 7 o'clock tip. Pre-game starts an hour before tip every night along the Trailblazers radio network and, of course, on our flagship station, 620 a.m. Rip City Radio. Thanks so much for listening. He's Michael Holton. I'm Travis Demers. We'll see you next time on the Section 113 podcast.